today, experts warn that coronavirus can possibly spread through talking and breathing now. It's not something they told us before. Also, the University of Pittsburgh says they have developed a potential COVID-19 vaccine. We'll get into that. Oh, and uh, liberal cities are banning the uh, reusable plastic bags, reusable bags. Uh, Apparently, they're not a good thing now. We'll get into all of that. uh, And it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Happy Friday. Today I am joined by the one and only Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, which you all should be watching on Blaze TV, but also subscribe to on YouTube, Stu Does America. And your podcast, too. If you're listening to podcasts, please do it there. Yes. You gave me that uh, reusable bag present. That's that's like a present to me. It is a present to you. I I always look at the calendar and I'm like, who was on the show today? Oh, (laughs) Stu's on the show. We have to do the reusable bag story. You're welcome. Uh, And we've also got Aaron Colon, theblaze.com's own Aaron Colon, my favorite reporter. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for risking your life. You're my sixth favorite reporter. Well, I'm working on it. Oh, wow. Do we even have six? Yeah, that's what I was asking. Oh, I mean, we picked some reporters from other other, outlets first. There's some really good people at the Daily Wire, (laughs) Daily Caller. This hurts. I'm done. <laughs> uh, so, Dr. Harvey Feinberg, he is the chairman of a committee with the National Academy of Sciences, now says that coronavirus can be possibly spread by talking and breathing. Um, of course, Stu, I know you were on the show a couple days ago, and we talked about how this is basically everything we're doing is a shot in the dark because we have no real research. We have no real knowledge of, you know, we're operating off of models that are just kind of like, "Eh, we think this might be right, but we're not sure. And now the latest is uh, this doctor who is saying you should wear face masks in public. It is imperative because you could be spreading it while you're talking or breathing. Surprise! Yeah, I mean, you know, and there's an important distinction, I think, that to make that it's it's not like, I think a lot of times we get in this pattern because we're so sick of hearing like, oh, you can have butter, now you can't have butter, and yeah. all these things. It's not the scientists not trying, or, like, it's just freaking hard. Yeah. The same thing with the models. We talked about that the other day. Like, it's not, they're not like, I don't think there's people out there and like, let's make it 50 million are, are going to die so we can scare everybody. They really just have no idea. They've got, you know, 30, 40 different um, inputs that go into these models, and none of them have reliable information. None of them. Like, so it's one thing to make a mistake in a model. When you're, you're modeling something out, you can make a mistake and your model will be wrong, but it might be only wrong by a little bit. If you're making a dozen mistakes out of 40 inputs, your, your model's going to be nowhere close. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they are, they're doing their best. They really are trying. I don't think here, for example, they thought it was airborne, but I, again, like, like, I'm talking to you in a situation we should not be probably in. If, if this is airborne, we should not be doing the show like this, yeah. uh, frankly. Uh, I don't trust you guys at all. I don't know where you've been. Um, well, this so, is comforting. No, this is all very well, comforting. I thought about it today. <laughs> I know, you know, maybe we'll get to it later, but like Brooke Baldwin from CNN now has it. I mean, seemingly the entire staff over at CNN is getting it. Uh, Which is not good when your ratings are in the toilet. And no. Well, Actually, it's probably pretty good. I mean, I, I have never <laughs> wanted to watch Chris Cuomo more than he, That's now. True. I That's actually kind of want to know what's going on with the guy. He's on the show today yeah. for that reason. Yeah, That's a great exactly. point. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think there's a separation from, hey, we thought it was all droplets and maybe it might be. You, should, you guys should all of a sudden start wearing the masks. Uh, I think there's a separation from that, from what they did before with the masks, which I think was really yes. wrong. Yes. To come out and tell people that they're not going to help when there's no evidence that they wouldn't help. Of, you know, we, 
the doctors at the hospitals are using them. Why are they using them if it wouldn't help? Um, they're not 100%, and mm-hmm. that's a fair thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like the N95 mask might be close to 100%. A surgical mask might, you know, some studies show in between 60 and 80% um, percent effective against droplets. We should not have been telling people uh, that they should not get masks. And now they're going to tell everybody, well, go ahead, please wear masks whenever you go anywhere. That sort of stuff breaks down the trust with with uh, with these authorities. And, you know, they might not have perfect information, but when they have information they think is good, they need to be honest with us about it. Uh, and that's the biggest mistake I think they've made so far. Occasionally they've crossed that line because they're like, well, we... The hospitals need them, so we don't want people, people to hoard them. You can't make that decision. You have to trust the American people, give them the real information, and hope they need the, the right thing. So you say that the masks are uh, useful. So what about a paper bag that people put over their heads and cut out eye holes? Would that be as, as effective? Uh, you know, maybe. Um, I actually think, you know, it, it, there's some point where you look at science and they're like, well, this, let me show you this academic study. Some of it's just common sense. Look, yeah. you put something in front of your face, it's going to block something, right? I mean, it, so you have something that is really, really, really small. Yes, it might be able to get through a surgical mask. But I mean, the studies that I saw, it was like, you know, as high as, I think the highest one was 89% effective. And they said a t-shirt Right, mm-hmm. a T-shirt mm-hmm. in front of your face was something like sixty percent better effective. than nothing. Right, much, but yeah. much better than nothing. Right. So it's like that's the frustrating part about when they're starting to switch. Is like they could have just told us to put shirts over our face in mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have said the doctors need the real mask, but you guys can use your scarves and your shirts. And they didn't have to say it doesn't matter if you cover your face because now there's a lot of people with wrong information. And so that's the frustrating part about following this progression is that. They're learning things, and I understand that, but it's like we're sitting here trying to say, well, what do we believe? Mm-hmm. If it's something as simple as, well, you could have just covered your face, and they went overkill and said, because we're trying to protect the doctors, we're going to tell this story about masks don't work at all, which I don't know if anybody believe. I didn't really believe it, but I kind of yeah. followed it, but yeah. still. I, well, I, I said it. I know I said it at least once on the air because they, they said it was the right thing, and I was like, okay, well, it must not be the droplets must be so small that this isn't going to be effective or whatever. And I mean, a lot of people spread that around. A lot of people said that. Um, and I, you know, that, it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. You can't trust the Surgeon General mm-hmm. and what he's saying. Like, who are you going to yeah, trust? Like, saying, don't buy masks. Right. Don't do it. Like, that's incredibly like that's, a, you know, there's certain things in this this little saga that we're in the middle of and still existing through that have really pissed me off. Uh, I am at the basically borderline act of war situation with China. Yeah. At this point, yes. I'm yes. like, I am like, I'm furious about it. And like, I think it's going to be the biggest part. Once we get past this thing, there need to be repercussions mm-hmm. in a big way mm-hmm. uh, with China. And I, you know, Glenn pointed this out today. and I think it was really smart. And that, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, the political campaign may very well be Donald Trump is taking on China might be the focus of this campaign when we actually get point. to it. Because it's also a smart political point mm-hmm. because we may be in an economic depression or major recession at that point. He's going to need an argument um, and it may well very well be that so that's one of them the mask thing is another one i mean you know like not only did we say it to our audience and thought it was the appropriate advice a lot of people did people went out surely got covid19 because mm-hmm. they weren't wearing masks you know i've been out like you know i go i'll, I'll you're allowed to go there's certain places that you know are essential right. obviously i feel like 7-eleven is completely essential for you so, yes for me, it is <laughs> um so I, you know i've been in 7-eleven you know a bunch of times i've been grocery shopping a bunch of times i've had to go to walmart and target and get things through this time those are essential stores should i have been wearing a mask well yeah apparently probably it goes I should to have. the thing that when you find out that it's serious and it's an emergency why not just say do anything possible you know, don't hold anything back. So even if maybe the shirts and scarves don't work a lot, 
if it's better than nothing, tell people to do it. Because if that's if it's an emergency on this scale, then why would you not throw everything that you can throw which, at it? Which yeah. really, I mean, because if you're looking at all of the other overkill, some people would argue, things that they've implemented, mm. oh, I don't know, like shutting down, down our entire economy. Yeah. It's like, how could you go to Z, but not just say, you know what, maybe just wear a shirt over your right, face. There's just no to downside to saying, hey, cover your face if you can. Yeah. Right. And like they have a lot of, there's a lot of like how to's now on how to make these masks where you can go much better than a, than mm-hmm. a t shirt. Like, you know, with like two layers of fabric with something in between. They say that that's, you know, getting close to the surgical mask level. Um, you know, there's a uh, there's a guy who writes for Glenn, and you know, um, and he can get a little apocalyptic on things occasionally. Um, and uh, Wait, Glenn has someone who writes yeah. for him who can <laughs> yeah. get apocalyptic. Glenn's got this like slew huh. of of like writers and researchers that we don't always see. Sometimes <laughs> he, just, he gets these like emails. And you're like, who did that come from? You can tell it's not Glenn. It's like, wait a minute, what, what is this? You know. Um, uh, but like one, of, he, he had an interesting uh, thought, and, and we're seeing this pick up, I think, a little bit, which is, you know, let's open up the economy as much as we can, uh, you know, in limited ways. Um, And I don't know if that means right now. It might be Mm -hmm. two or three weeks from now or a month from now. But when we open it up, everybody wears masks in public all the time or you run the risk of, I mean, he had mentioned, and I think largely this would be okay, which would just be social pressure would make everybody wearing masks. Like stores say, no, you're not coming in without one. I'm not a law, not a federal guideline, or maybe a guideline, but not a a mandate, which we're all kind of, you know, very nervous about, I think, here at this table. Um, But like the idea of everybody wearing masks all the time, when unless you're doing your home uh, thing. And that seems like well, maybe that could be a solution. It's just hard somewhere. to do it after, like we said, you've gone to Z. Like, if we had done that yeah. in a progression, people would accept it. Now, when you, you've had to close everything, now you're trying to pull it back and say, no, you can go out and just yeah. wear these masks that we said didn't work. Like, mm-hmm. people are kind of going to be scared of that. I feel like, though, people will buy their freedom with anything. I mean, up until monitor my phones. Like, we will, the majority of the American people will give up anything to leave this current situation. If I can go out and, like, you know, go to uh, go to work, go to a restaurant, like, you know, do things, and I got to wear a mask, and I got to let them monitor my phone, and I got to take my temperature everywhere, like, for a while, we'll put up with that. We're, the American people are not going to deal with this this long. I mean, they're already... And especially if you're scared. somebody who's like, you can't pay your bills because you've lost your job. Like, you'll, yeah. you'll make any sacrifice to, for your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so University of Pittsburgh researchers say they have developed a potential, I'd like to just make sure everyone is aware of that keyword, a potential COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, they, they published a study in eBiomedicine yesterday. They called the potential vaccine a, quote, promising immunization strategy and uh, noted that it could be introduced and distributed quickly enough to significantly impact the spread of disease. It's apparently made of dissolvable sugar and bits of a particular protein known as the spike protein, which viruses use to attach the cells and infect the host. So I guess the virus then attaches itself to the protein that is being injected. I'm not a doctor, but that's how I'm reading it. I don't understand how I'm reading it. Uh, so, I mean, I know it's it's it has worked well in mice. They say they've had good results in mice so far. And um, Stu, how quickly do you think that this whole pandemic goes away if there's a vaccine, not even a vaccine that we know for sure works, but if there's actually just a vaccine that people have the option to try. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's certain levels of this um, uh, that 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 
escalate, and everyone's working on all these levels. The first one is testing, right? Like right now, we're at the point where they're jamming giant Q-tips to the back of your skull, um, and then it takes. I, I know one I mean, guy. Part of me is like, I'd rather just assume that I have it and not get the test. <laughs> we we ran the, one of the pictures of of what it looks like for the, one of these tests, a, a diagram. I, I was like, I'd I, rather have COVID nineteen. I, I, I saw that and I thought it was fake. I was like, there's no way. It's like, like back to your like ear. Oh, I didn't even disgusting. know. I didn't know anything could go back that far. Well, I had no idea. That's where the nasal Speaking passage. Pure is worse than the disease. Yeah. It really looks scary. Um, but so you start with a test and like you could see how this is advancing, right? We had this really crappy test and now we have we have tests that work, but sometimes they're taking 10 and 12 days to return it to you. So what almost what what value is that? It's good for the informational purpose, but if you you're going to be through the this sickness before you even get the results back. Um, but now we have like rapid tests that are coming out, 15 minutes in some cases, even less in others um, that are coming on board right now. So that's step one. Step two is treatment. Like, and you know that is the hydro hydroxychloroquine. Um, those that sell medicines, they're they're testing about 70 of those right now. Um, so hopefully one of those can come through. And it doesn't have to cure it. Right. It just has to take you from death, like a, a 10, which is death, to an 8. You know, and if, if you can even get there, it's a massive difference, and people can start to go back to work a little bit. And you can monitor it much closer. And then, of course, the gold standard is, is the vaccine. Vaccine, like, we keep having this thought of it's 12 to 18 months. Part of that is, I mean, that's how long a, normally a vaccine uh, right. takes. Because, but they keep asking to fast-track it. Right. But fast-tracking is weird with vaccines because, it, you know, if you if you give it to someone and they have an effect in ten months, now you've given it to the entire population. You have a, a minor problem a there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to wipe out the entire race with it, um, you know. And one of the issues, though, is they have to see if it works first, mm-hmm. and then secondarily, they have to manufacture millions and millions and millions and millions of doses. So one of the things they're talking about doing now is when they have something they think is going to work, uh, just starting to produce it. And do a couple billion doses, and we'll just take the loss on it, right? Like, we're spending trillions of dollars anyway. Who cares? We have to throw it all out at the end. Fine. Yeah. Um, so that's a smart, I think, innovation. And if they get to a point where they have something that actually works, if people believe, as you point out, even if they believe it works, they'll be happy to go back to work. They all, everybody wants to. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the weirdest thing about this whole situation is there's this two-side battle between economy and people living and dying. Both, everybody agrees the economy is really bad. Like people who think everyone's going to die also recognize the economy is going to be really bad. Like you that just either make sure. the decision that one is more important than the other. But I, yeah, like you have. There is, of course, a cost-benefit yeah. analysis there. Like we all know that if 200 million people were definitely going to die from this disease, we'd all say turn the economy off. Right. If we all knew the answer was one person was going to die, sorry, bud, but right. like we're going to keep the economy on, right. right? There's a number in there, and I know it's like as cold as can be, but there's a number in there where you say. Okay, we think this is uh, this is the reality. This is what the best information is. We've got to s- s- turn this economy off. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can get that with treatment from, you know, two two to five million, right, of what they believe, if we did nothing, um, and back that off to ten thousand because the treatment works really well, like we're probably going back to work. Mm-hmm. So that is a you know that's a those are all huge lines. Even the testing is such a huge line. If we could be doing we're doing 120,000 tests a day right now, which is you know a really big improvement. If we could get that to 2 million a day that are non-invasive and are fast, yeah. we could mi- micromanage this thing so much better. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah, because 
I look at these vaccines and I say it gives me hope, but it is, you know, that 12 to 18 month period. And so you're looking over the next two months, they're saying this is when the peak is going to happen and a thousand people can die per day or 800 people or wherever we're at right now. And so you do look at, is there a way to get these people out of the hospitals? Because it seems like that's where in the hotspots, that big problem is we don't want hospitals to get overwhelmed. Right. So is there a way that we can get treatments to people in their homes so they know they have it, they can go home and treat themselves and they don't have to be attended to by you know, multiple nurses and doctors. And so if that capacity gets sort of managed, and I think in states like Texas and states that are, have a little bit more time to get prepared, it seems like maybe before we hit that peak, we'll have the chance to be ready to handle it. Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that as the weeks go on, that's sort of the progress that we see across the country, that everywhere is not New York and Seattle, we've got places where we have enough beds, we have enough ventilators, we have enough of all this because of the mobilization that's happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, this is stuff, this economy stuff has been a very expensive way to buy time. Yeah. And we have bought some time, which is, you know, that is helpful. I think some of these resources have gone to the right places. And there's, you know, like the, the scary thing about the vaccine is we never got one for SARS. Right. You know, uh, we never got one for HIV, which everyone believed at the beginning that we were going to be able to accomplish. So that, you know, it's it's the pie in the sky thing that we hope comes. But we don't know that it comes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, on the other side, though, there is other stuff like this, um, these this Kinza, these Kinza thermometers, which, you know, have had they built a map of essentially where people are getting a lot of temperatures. And they've been able to predict where these outbreaks have happened sometimes two weeks before the CDC has been predicting them. Wow. And like, you know, I, I threw this out today, you know, obviously everyone's just coming up with their stupid theories, but like, I, you know, if we're going to spend another $2 trillion on another bill, why not, let's say, take three or four million of these thermometers and start giving them out for free around the country and, and let's just make that data a lot mm -hmm. better, right? I mean, like, that would be a really inexpensive thing to do and if people wanted to participate, give it to them for free mm -hmm. and let's, let's, let's really build out that data because it seems to be really, really helpful to predict where these outbreaks are coming. Yeah. Uh, all right. Coming up next, the uh, Los Angeles mayor, he has a, a new motto you, about snitches. You know the, the old saying about snitches? Well, he's got a new one for you that uh, your, your blood pressure is going to go through the roof when we come back. Um, I could not believe I... Uh, Buying those. Yeah. Uh, the Democratic <laughs> Los Angeles mayor, he has a new little slogan that he'd like to introduce to the general public. Let's see how this, uh, how you like this. After, of course, this is he promised to shut off water and power to businesses who did not comply with this uh, safer at home order. He wanted to encourage everyone around the Los Angeles area to, uh, you know, make sure that they are reporting businesses who are violating this order. Just snitch. It's fine. Here's what you have to say. We need to make sure that everybody continues to let us know where those folks are. If you've observed recurring violations of the safer at home order, please continue to let us know at coronavirus.lacity.org slash business violation. You know the old expression about snitches. Well, in this case, snitches get rewards. Oh. We want to thank you for turning folks in and making sure we are all safe. Oh, oh. that's so cute. Snitches that's... don't get stitches anymore. They get rewards. It's a groan the whole spell. idea was that it rhymed. Like, yeah, I know. It doesn't really work when you just throw another not word creative in creative at all. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say snitches get riches. 
Oh, oh that's do that. That's much better, isn't it? You just came up with that. I, know, I just need to be mayor of LA. <laughs> I run that city really well. Um, yeah, no, it's pathetic. first of all, it's just grown, you know, grown city, uh, which is just ugh, awful. Trying to stop trying to be cute. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, the idea is bigger, right? Like the the fact that the government is checking in and ha- asking you to report your friends. You know, the left really hated that when when there was reports of George W. Bush and um, you know, the, the, hey, if you see something, you know, suspicious on the terrorism front, mm-hmm. you know, report people. The left hated that. Uh, now, I don't know if they like it. I mean, I, I can't imagine that anyone likes this stuff. But uh, I, look, I understand. And I think this is something where these orders, you're most most likely not going to actually get enforced, right? Like you're not going to be driving down the street. They're going to pull you over and make you go home unless this really turns into, you know, the walking dead. I don't think we're going to get there. But if you're having you know, large gathering after large gathering after large gathering, they probably will come in and break it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that's what they're asking. I mean, he did say repeat offenders, whatever the heck that is. But it's just scary, right? I mean, like, clearly we know that after this, a lot of these places are going to keep a lot of this stuff in effect, in their back pocket, ready to use when they say, you know what, The, the globe is warming too much, guys. You can't go out and drive your car across the country anymore or whatever the heck the idea they come up with in five or ten years. They will utilize the stuff they're implementing now, and that's really scary. And we know there's a certain type of person who would just love to drive by a business and be like, that's them, let me get them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to they're gonna call, and they're going to snitch on people. And what's the reward, by the way? He didn't, did he mention what the reward was? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you get but, to feel good about yourself. Yeah. Because you've done yeah. the government a service. Everybody hates you. But <laughs> I, it's, it seems like it's just going to be a thing that creates division in communities. Like, we already have enough problems without, like, trying to police each other. Mm-hmm. You know, just do what you're supposed to do. Make sure you socially distance yourself and you take care of your family and your responsibilities. We can't really be worried about policing each other. I think most people, well, I don't know most, but a lot of people are willing to do what they need to do for their health and for their families and for their city. We don't need each other to be like pointing fingers at each other and all the stuff that we're doing. If somebody's open right now, I mean, I'm sure they have a reason for doing it. Like maybe they want to survive. Uh, They want to be able to. They want to feed their family. Buy groceries and things like that. So I'm not really going to be the one to like call the police on them. Mm -hmm. You might not go into the store. Yeah, exactly. I'll make that choice for myself, but I'm not really trying to police the whole world because people need to make their own decisions. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I think this has actually worked well, right? Like the asks have worked well. You know, I mean, you say, hey, American people, this is a serious issue. There's, you know, 500 people dying in New York yesterday, over 1,000 the day before total in the United States. Like, this is pretty serious. I think most people are like, you know, like, the balance is really hard to find, and I think most people are struggling with that. But, like, generally speaking, we all recognize, like, we don't want to be near people right now, you know, if we can help it. Um, And so... I think, like, they've they showed um, the distance traveled. They did a study on that, which, again, they have so much freaking more information than they're telling us that they have. I don't know how they're coming up with this. But they're like, you know, it, it was slightly more, uh, less people were traveling in the places where there was an unofficial order as opposed to just a suggestion. But it was a pretty small gap. And the places that um, uh, didn't have the restrictions were more largely in southern states that had larger, longer drives. So it was based on distance. So, you know, the same amount of people might have been driving, but they, you know, maybe the people in the south are driving a little bit longer. Um, you know, I, like, 
it's worked pretty damn well. Honestly, like would you have said if you said to the American people, hey, guys, everybody just turn everything off, turn the economy off. Just please stay inside for a couple months. Like I wouldn't have said even, thought they would even record, a right, month ago or yeah. whenever Italy started doing this. I think we were all kind of looked at that like, wow, that could never happen, never here. happen here. Right here we are. Like it's really happening in a lot of places. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the question that I've been seeing a lot of and our, our friend Eric July, who is, you know, he is all in all libertarian. Oh, yeah. I mean, as libertarian as you can get. But I do think he raises an interesting point, which is, you know, like like you're saying, Stu. The guidelines, the suggestions are one thing, Mm -hmm. but at what point does the government, you know, what is the, what is the grounds for the government stepping in and mandating it? Right. Like what is the I don't think there are federal grounds at all. Um, And, uh, you know, the states have, have historically have had some ability to be able to do these things. Right. The federal government really doesn't have that uh, role at all in our system. We have an intentionally weak federal government. And it's been interesting to see the left be like, why don't why doesn't he crack down? Like, this is the guy you're telling us is Hitler. Yeah, he's a like, fascist. Well, I'd like to see right. Trump block everybody in the House and see how the Democrats right. react to that. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, I, I can't believe they even would want him. You think he's the worst person in the world and you want him to restrict every one of your movements? <laughs> like, that sounds like a terrible idea for you. Um, I think Trump has re- uh, resisted that. Um, Probably on, on advice from people around him that it would be overruled as unconstitutional yeah. anyway. Um, I don't, you know, and plus it's worked. Like, mm-hmm. I, we really, this has not been an issue. We saw certain places, like, I don't know, progressive New York City, wait really long and invite people to go to Chinatown for parades mm-hmm. into the, you know, late, mid, late March. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're racist. Like, so people, I don't want to be racist, so I guess I'll go to Chinatown and they all now have COVID 19. Like, We've seen a couple places where they've acted really late. We've seen other places that have, you know, acted more, I think, uh, quickly. Um, you know, I think Gavin Newsom would be an example of that. I think they've reacted better in California. Washington, I think, has done a better job. Some of these places have done, you know, have done pretty well. I mean, Louisiana looks scary right now. Florida looks scary right now. Illinois is starting to look scary. Michigan's starting to look scary, especially around Detroit. Um, you know, it, there is that thing that I think if you can get ahead of it enough and say, hey, everybody, let's be cool. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much being cool. I think we have evidence from places like New Orleans where they had Mardi Gras. Like people know mm-hmm. that if you're doing stuff like that, we're seeing the cost of that. And so I think that's enough to convince a lot of people to say, you know what, it's not worth it right now. Yeah. For how long, though? Yeah. yeah, I mean, depends on your situation, really. I mean, somebody like me, I haven't been impacted by it in the way that the people who have lost their jobs have. Right. But if you're if you're a business owner, or if you're somebody who's lost your job. That, that analysis is different for you for how long you'll tolerate something. Yeah, because like we're this. already seeing overseas, you know, in Italy, we're already seeing looting, mm-hmm. uh, oh, God, you know, yeah, of businesses. Know. And so uh, that's just what concerns me is just, you know, I, I understand if, if the states have the power to shut this thing down for a certain amount of time, then that's the power that they have. But for how long? I think it depends also on, like you see in Italy where things are still very bad on the health side mm-hmm. yeah. along with the shutdowns. And so when people look at it and say, well, it's not even working, at that point, then right. you'll probably see a lot more resistance to it. it yeah. That's interesting because there's a balance there, too. I think, you know, they're now saying in uh, the Wall Street Journal had reporters in Italy, and um, they now believe that they've missed thousands of dead that have not counted in the in the total um, uh, in, in, in their numbers, which are already horrible. Yeah. Um, that And it doesn't include the people who couldn't get into hospitals and died of other things. Like you get a heart attack, you can't go to the hospital, you just die. Is that a coronavirus death? Right. I mean, in a way, it kind of is. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, the, the interesting thing there is, like, I think, at least in the sh- short to medium term, this question somewhat answers itself in that if it gets bad enough, people will be 
okay staying inside. Like even, you know, especially if the government continues to throw money at us, and we know that's a short-term proposition as well, if they can keep it so that people can stay alive, right, and can get food and get, get basics, and they see, you know, they, they think this could be up to 2,500, 3,000 a day here in two weeks uh, who, that are dying, it's going to be the largest pandemic in 100 years. It's, I mean, this is not a nothing, right? So if it's scary enough, people will be scared mm-hmm. and they will be okay staying in. At some point, it's going to hit a point where the, the system is breaking down. Food, you know, isn't getting to the right places. All those things start breaking down. People are going to be panicked, and then, and then they're just going to, they're going to go for it. Yeah. Um, hopefully, again, there's a race going on here. Hopefully, we get some sort of treatment or some sort of breakthrough before then. Before that happens. Uh, all right, when we come back, uh, President Trump sends Chuck Schumer a letter uh, j- slamming him, really, for his lack of coronavirus response. It's going to be the best thing that you hear all day. I can promise you we'll have that when we come back. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. I mean, you could tell, too. No edits on that one. Oh, my God, no. Dictation. (laughs) Absolutely. This seems hard to believe. Uh, President Trump, he was not happy after he got a letter from Chuck Schumer, who, you know, Chuck Schumer sent him a letter asking him, why don't you invoke the Defense Production Act and put in place a military person who can command and control, uh, you know, someone who knows logistics, someone who knows all of these things, which, to my knowledge, President Trump has, in fact, already done and had done it uh, before Chuck Schumer sent the letter. So... President Trump, uh, not to be outdone, decided to send a letter back and he let Chuck Schumer know that he did, in fact, um, put someone in charge of what Chuck Schumer was asking for. Um, You know, Mike Pence is in charge of the task force. He does have someone who is military, who is handling exactly what Chuck Schumer is asking for. And he also added in true President Trump fashion. If you spent less time on your ridiculous impeachment hoax, which went haplessly on forever and ended up going nowhere except increasing my poll numbers and instead focused on helping the people of New York, then New York would not have been so completely unprepared for the, quote, invisible enemy. No wonder AOC and others are thinking about running against you in the primary. If they did, they would likely win. Uh, Fortunately, we've been working with your state and city governments to get the job done. You've been missing in action except when it comes to the press. Uh, Also, he says, I've known you for many years, but I never knew how bad a senator you are for the state (laughs) of New York until I became president. I cried laughing when I read that last one. I know. It was very funny. I mean, I will say I'm... I could be a little hot or cold on these things yeah. in normal times. You know, sometimes they like. I remember the Pelosi one. He ran, ran one to Pelosi that really made me laugh. I don't remember what it was when about. When she was like on her way to the airport, yes, to mm-hmm. go yeah, to go somewhere, yes. and he said, "Uh, sorry, you can't I go. I've got off funding made, for it." That would make me laugh. It was great. Um, but uh, sometimes I can. I I don't always love the Trump. Like I'm gonna, you know, call everybody na- nicknames and all that um, during normal times. It's funny reading this one. I. It, it, because it's such a terrible time, it kind of brought me back to normalcy a little bit in a weird way. Like, I was like, ah, it made me feel kind of like, ah, things don't really matter. You know, like, this is just silliness and they're just beating up on each other. It actually made me feel good, which is strange. And it was funny. Like, you know, he you could tell he just blurted that out all in that order with no edits and then sent it. Yeah. And and I, be- I bet that whoever was doing the dictation was like, okay, so do you want me to send this to an edit? Nope. 
Nope. Do not send, send it, it to anyone. Is. Do not proofread this. Send it directly as is. It does kind of remind you of a time when our biggest problem was like these political fights. <laughs> yeah, I think that's not, what it was. Like, I, I think us all dying of a coronavirus. Yeah. But it's kind of funny because I, I don't feel bad. Even, sometimes I don't like the Trump stuff that he does, but I don't feel bad because it's true. People like that's, Chuck Schumer yep. are just grandstanding yep. in the press about stuff like this, and it's not helpful. They're yeah. saying he needs to do things that he's already doing. They're not contributing to it. They're lying about when they were aware of it or when they took it seriously. So I don't, I don't have any sympathy for, for them in this situation because they're not helping the situation. So go for it. And, well, and, I mean, it is New York's responsibility to be prepared in that regard, to have enough masks, to have enough, you know, ventilators. I mean, yes, the federal government should step in should, you know, New York not be adequately prepared but they do have some sort of responsibility to their residents to by, be prepared. By all indications I'm seeing, the federal government is helping a lot. Mm-hmm. So a lot. This, this idea that keeps going out there that like the federal government is failing us, like they're doing, I think, everything they can do and more will be done as time goes forward. Yeah. Just because the problem hasn't been solved, it was not a problem that could just be solved by the government saying, here's all the stuff. Yeah, well, right. And I mean, there's blame to be shared, Mm -hmm. probably, right? I mean, we saw that report that came out that said the Obama administration, uh, you know, they used up all of the the medical equipment um, that they're now missing and having to replenish, that there were reports that Obama's administration already knew that. Going into the presidency, I assume President Trump knew that but hadn't done anything yet. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if he ever found out, but certainly the Obama administration knew I think we can and all, didn't do anything. We can probably all acknowledge that as a whole, we got a slow start on responding to this thing and we're paying for it now. But this finger pointing now where people are acting like, well, I knew about this, but you weren't doing anything. No, no. We all kind of ramped up on this at the same time. And it wasn't January. We were not, we didn't have this on our radar like that. Right. And so to, to accuse people like that, I mean, you, you kind of get what you get when you try to do that in the yeah. media. It's silly, right? I mean, like we went back to um, this uh, this poll. I don't know if we talked about it on the show or not, but it, uh, it was 50, uh, March 11th they took a poll. And they said, how many people do you think are going to die from coronavirus? This is three weeks ago. Okay, three weeks ago. Um, 55% of Americans said it would be less than 1,000, right? We're at over 6,000 wow. three weeks later. Wow. So, like, think about that for a second. Of That's where the American people were. And I think it was 87% of people thought it was going to be less than 10,000, which it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and then, you know, that, that's, that's not long ago. Obviously, the people in the government, it's their job to be watching these things. So really, you know, it, it, you don't give them the same leeway as you would someone who's watching, you know, Real Housewives of New Jersey uh, every night. Like they that's and I don't know why I point gesture to you when well, I said that. Don't Sorry. talk to Wait, people you know? about my TV habits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you know, look, I think it's fair to say and like I give Trump uh, a, a decent amount of leeway for his early comments. I give, um, you know, uh, everybody up until I don't know. Early March, I'm I'm pretty much okay. I mean, Trump obviously did take some actions. I think you know not everything. I think he could have done some things better. We could have we could have done some things better as a country. Congress could have done some things better. When you get into March 17th, yeah. and Andrew Cuomo is telling people to go out to Chinatown, and, and Nancy Pelosi is is out there doing similar things in late February, early March. You're really pushing it there. Like, I think you should have known something. You don't get the benefit, certainly, of criticizing the president for his response. Right. Like, I blame China for a lot of the early stuff. Once Italy is on fire, though, you got to know this is serious. We had had politicians here making the same mistake that people in Italy were making, where they were downplaying it and saying, let's not be racist about this. It's not a racial issue at all. But that's, we made those same mistakes in the places that are now being hit the hardest by this. All right. uh, When we come back, the reason that Stu is here... 
liberal cities reverse their plastic <laughs> bag bans and are now banning reusable bags. Unbelievable. We'll get there in a minute. Unbelievable. It oh, never ceases wait. to amaze. But I like this is why like Gavin Newsom's done a better job than like a Uh, all right. So a uh, growing number of liberal cities, you know, they had these bans on plastic bags for the environment. And uh, our friend here at the table, Stu Bergier, uh, frequently would point out mm-hmm. uh, about these bans that they were actually using bags instead that would not only carry and harbor bacteria and viruses in them, mm-hmm. But you would then have to go and sanitize them and wash them out. And the actual washing out of the bags would offset any damage to the economy done by just using plastic bags and throwing them away. Did I have that right? I must have said that way too many times. <laughs> that's, that's a brilliant that's an exact That's better quote. than I've ever said it. I listened to you. Uh, no, thank you. That's Casey. You're the only one. Um, no, it's true. Because, I mean, look, I think most people, they're used to using grocery bags. You bring them in and then you bring it home and then you throw them out or you stash them maybe for, you know, to sit to, to reuse at some point. Well, with these reusable bags, they're bringing them back and forth. They're putting their meat at the bottom of it, right? Mm-hmm. The, the juice, you know, whatever Ugh. juices are coming Ugh. out, and they're sitting on the bottom there, and they're turning Ugh. into God knows what. Um, and you know, and what you're supposed to do is sanitize them and wash them after every use, which nobody, nobody does, does, of course. It's caused all sorts of sickness, and they've done studies on that. But um, you lose whatever environment. I mean, the environmental benefit of them is very questionable from mm-hmm. the beginning, but you have to use them thousands of times, which no one does. But, I mean, in theory, they could have a benefit after a very long time. But if you wash them like you're supposed to, then the benefit's gone. So it really is, has been a terrible idea from the beginning. It's so... I, well, the reason I love it so much is it's so prototypical progressivism, yeah. right? Like, everyone decided one day that... Plastic straws were evil, even though the science is not there on it, even though they don't have a, a, a suitable replacement. You know, as we know, paper oh, straws are Satan. Off. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, all of that, you know, uh, the stat comes from like a nine year old calling around. I mean, it really legitimately does. from a nine year old <laughs> doing a school project. It's not an exaggeration. But, but it became a thing. Yeah. So everyone decided to jump on the bandwagon and now it's government enforcing it. I mean, what really happens with these things, I think, without government? people eventually start mocking and realizing it you know they see the studies oh geez that was a that was a waste and then it, it, it goes away instead government codifies it mm-hmm. right they make it make it policy here is really interesting in that now they have to reverse themselves because of the same concepts we've been talking about this whole time right like it stores it could store all sorts of nasty stuff so now the healthy thing is to go back to plastic and paper bags and that's where we should always be anyway. And that's so that really San Francisco Bay Area, their Department of Public Health announced. Now it's just a temporary reversal. Sorry, yeah, Stu. I know. But it's going to be they, one of those things that sticks. Oh, there you go. Oh. There are things that stick. Yeah. Maybe this is one of them. Well, it's funny because we did, you know, that there's that thing that's been going around the Internet of like there's no libertarians in a pandemic. It's like I don't, we seem like we're all libertarians yes. all of a sudden. Every <laughs> yes. one of these dumb little restrictions that libertarians have been complaining about the whole time. As soon as it matters, everyone wants to clear all that crap out. You know, mm-hmm. everyone wants the FDA and the uh, and you know the CDC. They want that all out of the way. No, just get these things done. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that around the country. You have to basically say, yeah, you know, alcohol, 
being delivered to homes, fully made cocktails. Like that was a dumb restriction in the first place. It should never have existed. And now it doesn't because people really need their freaking alcohol. And there's no freaking way Governor Abbott rescinds that. Yeah, he's I not going to. So. There's no not. way. That would be a severe political hit if he yes. said, all right, back <laughs> to normal, guys. You can't take alcohol away from Texans. Because we're going to realize that there was no yeah. harm to it. So what justification would you have for changing the back? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're talking about this environmental stuff. And I brought this up off but I just have to we're talking about the people who are just going crazy and thinking everyone's going to die and everyone's going to run out of paper products and water and Mm -hmm. food and I legitimately read a woman a mother who wanted to get opinions from other mothers (laughs) other mothers on how many squares of toilet paper they were allowing, allowing allowing their family members to use because she really feels like that she's using too much. She's wrapping it around three times. That's probably too much. Who knows what the members of her household are doing with this toilet paper? And I'm like, we're we're not there. This is America. Who, who, right? Like, who is there? I mean, these are the consequences are you of living being in? in the Great Depression. Part two is two squares of toilet paper. You know, these are the sacrifices <laughs> that we have to make. I guess. I mean, I guess when you go into the grocery store and they're limiting one toilet paper thing per customer because everyone's hoarded them, you start worrying that you're going to yeah, run you know, out. So, somebody but... once told me that snitches get rewards. You know, so <laughs> people are going to be going in bathrooms and like counting squares now. That's part of the deal. It's kind of amazing, right? It's like, you know, um, one of the funny things about this is that uh, people, I mean, I don't know how to, this is, you know, it's bathroom talk, but like right. people are now doing their stuff at home all the time, right? right They're right, no longer right. going at work, work right? Yeah. So where does work get your toilet paper? They're not going to the grocery store. They're getting commercial sized mm-hmm. toilet paper rolls. Well, those aren't selling at all, right? right? So now the, if you go to a commercial supply store, they've got those things all over the place and they're oh, giant right. rolls that could last you months. Now, I've actually just been driving now. up here every time. Yeah, so. yeah they, might not be, they might not be as soft and, and two ply or three ply or four ply, <laughs> but uh, they might not be quilted like, like right. you might like, uh, yeah. Sarah, but uh, <laughs> they'll get the job done. Everybody Again. name your favorite toilet paper. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about Apocalypse, you deal with the commercial uh, <laughs> toilet paper. So. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, are, who, what are some who of the repli- Are there some replies? Like, is anybody saying? <laughs> uh, legitimately, every reply I saw was like, we don't limit toilet paper <laughs> squares in our house. I'd rather my children's butts be clean. It does feel to me a little bit <laughs> kind of like the Tide Pod thing that went around. Like, you, you get worried about it, and it gets a lot of press, but it is a re- in reality. Yeah, it's out of a few stores, but there's, we're not really running out of toilet paper. Right. It's like there's a few people who go crazy over these things, right? Um, I do think, you know, generally speaking, a lot of people are going from either working every day or having their kids at school every day to now everyone's in the house yeah. all the time and we have nothing to do. And it's for whatever reason in Texas raining every single day. Uh, people are going nuts. We should factor that in. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of insanity being spread around at this yeah, point. Yeah, but also let your children wipe their butts. Back in a minute. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I have any parting really wisdom. So, I don't know what you need to say anything. We should have just said that. I know. That's just the whole segment. Summed it right up. All right, yesterday's poll, how much longer are you willing to self-isolate for? I just asked this question to you guys earlier in the program. Uh, I didn't realize that I missed the poll yesterday, so I didn't realize we asked that. Uh, 43, 44% of you said two weeks. 
Two weeks. Well, yeah. you're in luck because yeah. it's going to be longer than that. Yeah. Uh, one month, 33% of you said one month. 8.4% uh, of you said two months and 15% of you are just shut-ins and you're like, yeah, I'll stay self-isolated for three plus months. I don't have friends or family I care about. I don't know what's well, wrong with you Don't insult my vote. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something you That's, would say. Yeah. I don't even want to be around you guys. Uh, today's poll question, if Joe Biden isn't the nominee in 2020, who, oh geez, who will the Democrats choose to replace him? Bernie Andrew Cuomo, Michelle Obama, or Elizabeth Warren? I think all signs point to Cuomo, right? I don't. But this is a big if. Yeah, I don't think Cuomo. I, like, I think when you think about the Cuomo, the problem, the thing with Cuomo is every single person who is telling you about Andrew Cuomo is a journalist in New York City who has Bill de Blasio as their mayor who sucks. And they're all watching all of his press conferences every day. That's true. Like in a, re, in a real world situation, he's done a terrible job overseeing this. He has not been good. Um, I don't think he, I, you know, that would but be But does the DNC listen to the average person or do they listen to the media? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you never know, right? Like, I mean, I guess, I guess it's possible. Um, Warren, to me, is an absolute no. Right? Yeah, like, he, yeah. Bernie gets it over Bernie, Warren. and Bernie, think, yeah. beat, Bernie beat Warren, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. quite clearly. Yeah, what do you think, Aaron? I think it would be Bernie. I mean, he's already run. I mean, he has a lot of support. Will they let him do it, though? Well, Michelle doesn't want it, does she? I mean, if Michelle wants it, she's got it. Yeah. You know what? I, her I hear she's got great arms. Does so that's she what they say. For How does she do What's the workout? Presidential arms. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.